misinformation, misaligned relationships, misunderstanding. Unfortunately, relationships can unravel. I would imagine every person would be able to say, yes, I was very close to this person and never ever thought that we would be apart. Never thought that there'd be such distance. And with certain people, there's nothing we can do to change that course. Meaning you can't make another person think differently. You can't make another person respond, but you can set the stage. Well, that was June Hunt, and this is Hope for the Heart. With the isolation we've experienced and other new stresses, chances are you've had some rocky times in your relationships. When a bond is broken, what can you do? The Bible says, as far as it is possible with you, be at peace with everyone. Today, June presents a practical way to put this verse into action. So let's get started as we find hope together. There are times when things are broken. Relationships are very, very painful when they're broken, especially when you've had an endeared relationship. Why? Obviously, miscommunication is huge. It can be, but I thought you meant this. No, I didn't mean that. I know you meant that. Sometimes it's imposing onto another person or somebody imposing onto you what supposedly you thought. That's one of the most frustrating experiences that I've had when I was told what I meant by certain words. You meant this, I know you did. What do you do when somebody's absolutely sure when you know that wasn't at all in your heart? Misinformation, misaligned relationships, misunderstanding. Unfortunately, relationships can unravel. I would imagine every person would be able to say, yes, I was very close to this person and never ever thought that we would be apart. Never thought that there'd be such distance. And with certain people, there's nothing we can do to change that course. Meaning, you can't make another person think differently. You can't make another person respond. But you can set the stage. You can, what I call, nurture the soil of the heart so that when the seed is planted, it has the opportunity to take root and bear fruit. Obviously, we know in Scripture there are illustrations of nature that Jesus used, that Paul used. And part of the helpfulness about the way the Bible communicates biblical truth, the way Jesus specifically spoke, he would use common, ordinary objects or events, athletics. But you think about the word, the seed, the seed planted. Unfortunately, there are times when seed falls on very hard ground. Now you say, well, okay, hardened heart. What we could do is get a hose, plow the field, plow the ground. There are times when there is something that can be done. And the Bible says, as far as it is possible with you, 
I think that's a most interesting scripture. As far as it is possible with you, be at peace with everyone. Now, the implication there is not everyone will allow peace. Because for some, it's an issue of power. If we look at causes, why would someone not want reconciliation? Well, if Marlene hurt me, I just know she's hurt me because I thought I heard something that she said to Dennis about me. I'm not about to let Marlene have the satisfaction of her just saying, June, please forgive me. I didn't mean that. Whatever it was. See, as long as she has hurt me, aha, I can feel a sense of righteous indignation. Not just being wrong. I am right about this. And if I accept her apology, then my superior position gets leveled out. So sometimes it's an issue of the one who will not reconcile. They have a spirit of pride. They don't want to give it up either. Because then they lose their leverage. Then they lose their leverage. Do you like feeling good? Anybody here ever get on a seesaw? You go up and down, you have a partner. Well, some people just like to stay up. And that's the problem with those who are prideful. They like being up and they like others to be down. There's a critical spirit that's involved so many times. Now, I'm telling you one type of scenario. There are other reasons. But what we're talking about, if there is a true humility on the part of the one who has come to you and said, I made a mistake, I blew it, I admit, if I could do this over, I would do it. You know, that's what forgiveness is all about. Forgiveness that leads to reconciliation. Then we have to say, well, is it always right to reconcile? Is it always right to reconcile? Well, we know that God is a God of reconciliation. The Bible says that he gives us a ministry of reconciliation. What do you think? Is it always right to reconcile? We will thoroughly look at that because it's very important. That is a key, key issue. You could, if you take scripture, you could build a case for both if you only look at certain passages. But one thing I want us always to do here is, if you plan to be biblical, we've got to look at the whole counsel of God. We get into trouble if we take one passage out of its context of the whole. It's a very important issue for us to look at when we're dealing with peopling. And all your life, you're going to be peopling. Let's face it. This is going to be a huge help for you to be able to walk away understanding thoroughly what do I need to know about reconciliation? What is right all the time? Reconciliation, what is it? We're just going to go through a few definitions. Reconciliation is an act of settling or harmonizing differences. And when we usually think of reconciliation, it's involving relationships, especially resolving differences between one another. 
while a relationship will not always be salvaged, the spirit of reconciliation always reflects the heart of God. When you think of reconciled bank accounts, that's helpful. I think everybody here would like a reconciled bank account. Not going the wrong direction where all of a sudden you go, oh no, it's very unsettling. It can cause a great deal of worry. That's true with relationships. Out of whack relationships can cause great worry. And out of relationship with God, there's no peace. There's no peace. What about this word alienation? I chose reconciliation versus alienation. What does that mean and what does it actually look like? Alienation occurs when a person withdraws or separates from another person, causing one to be excluded from others. That's hard. I remember seventh grade. I knew there was a party that my school friends had and I wasn't invited. And someone said, oh, we called you. We couldn't get you. You weren't there. Well, I, you know, I knew I hadn't been anywhere. I think I said, well, I, I was here. But I said it softly. It's like I knew it was an excuse. I know what it's like to feel excluded. Most people do at one time or another where it really hurts. When we want to be included and we're not, it hurts. Why do people do that? What kind of mindset is there? Obviously, there are different kinds of alienation. You know, hostility toward friends and family, or even the values of others. Personal withdrawal from people, certain people. Alienation of affection, a term that's legal. That means the marriage can legally end in divorce, not for any cause that's specific. A separation and that's it. Of course, a person can be alienated from God. Again, a lack of peace. This is what we are told actually in the Bible that we are alienated from God before we come into a life-changing relationship with him. That we are alienated. So there is a true separation. This is Hope for the Heart with June Hunt and we'll hear more in just a minute. First, let me invite you to join June on Facebook for daily messages of hope and visit hopefortheheart.org for free resources, our new Keys for Living series, and more. Right now, let's get back to this broadcast and this pre-recorded phone conversation. June is talking with a woman who's asking about reconciliation after divorce. Read Romans chapter 7, verse mm-hmm. 1 to 4. It seems like God is saying that if I get married again, that I will be an adulteress because I was already married one mm-hmm. time. Mm. Why was there a divorce? Adultery on my behalf. About six months ago, I rededicated my heart back to the Lord. I was reading and studying my Bible, and I came across this verse in Romans chapter 7. Can I read this verse to Absolutely. you? Absolutely. It says, for the woman with half a husband is bound by the law to her husband, so long as he liveth. But if the husband be dead, she is loosed from the law of her husband. If while her husband liveth, she be married to another man, she still be called an adulteress. But if her husband be dead, she is free from the law. She is no adulteress, though she be married to another man. Mm -hmm. Since he's still alive, if I remarry, I would be an adulteress. Has he remarried? No, he didn't remarry. 
Has there been a genuine attempt to reestablish a relationship? I tried to reconcile with him just before the divorce, but I was still right. angry a lot. So when he did come back in my life, the anger just started over again, and the arguments on my behalf started over again, and I pushed him right back out of my life. Mm-hmm. So now, you know, I read this, I say, well, I'm only 39 years old. Do God expect me to live a single life for the rest of my life because he's still alive? Anything impressive about this woman? Transparency? She's coming out of the chute saying, I was the adulterous one, wanted to have a reconciliation, and then I just got angry and I just kept fighting with him. Anything else about her? She's reading the Bible. It sounds like she has a high view of Scripture. And she wants what? God's will. And she's wanting to understand. She doesn't know perhaps a lot, but it's like I'm wanting to understand what this means. So we'll just keep going. I'm impressed about a couple of things. Number one, it sounds as though you really want to do what God wants you to do. Yeah, I do. But what I'm hearing is you have a high view of Scripture. That's great. And number two, I'm hearing that you've been on God's track for only six months. Six months ago, there was a recommitment of your life to Christ. Did your life really change at that time? My life changed, but I want God to do greater things in my life. Sometimes I don't feel like I'm in the presence of the Lord when I pray. Mm-hmm. Only when I go to church, I feel the presence of the Lord. But sometimes when I get on my knees at home, and I don't feel as though I'm reaching the presence of the Lord. I want to explain. When I'm talking with someone, I'm on a fishing expedition. See, I hear the presenting problem. But the presenting problem many times is not the real problem. And... Many times you have to kind of peel the layers of the onion. Peeling the layers of the onion. So I ask a lot of questions because a lot of people use terminology. And just because somebody tells me something, like for example, I was asked, June, are you a Christian? I remember being 15. And I said, yes. I was no more a Christian than a baboon. I had no idea what that even meant. I'm just aware of what I didn't know and my total ignorance So that's what I'm saying. I'm just many times on a fishing expedition. What is this person needing to know? Do you feel that it's possible that what you've had is a religious experience where the truth is that you want a relationship with God? You have a religion, but not a true relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, and you want that relationship? Yeah, that's what I want. I want a true relationship. I don't want to just be religious. I want to really Mm. know Christ. Mm -hmm. Well, that is the number one thing that God wants for you. Number one thing he wants with you. The Bible says God so loved the world, and that's you. He so loved you and those whom he created. He so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever would believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. When you see that everlasting life, that's talking about a relationship. So the issue isn't, well, he just wants you to follow his do's and don'ts because that's not going to be what's going to satisfy the inner part of you. I think what's happened is the Lord has been drawing you 
to himself. Mm -hmm. You're saying you know that you want more than just to, in your head, know scripture and in your actions, go to church, which makes you feel good. Years ago, I was teaching a class and before the class, I had a boulder, and I threw some eyes and ears on this boulder, put this boulder, it was pretty heavy, put it on this stool, and I had a heating pad underneath it. I had a guy come up, whom actually I knew was not a Christian. He had just started coming, and you know, I asked him at one time about Christian, uh, his experience. Uh, I, I can't remember how I phrased it, but I remember his response was, the reason he thought he was a Christian was because he felt warm when he went to church. Well, I had this boulder. I asked him to come forward. I said, would you pick up that boulder? So he picked it up in front of the class. I said, how does that boulder feel? He said, it feels warm. I said, oh, well, does the boulder have eyes? And he looked and he said, yeah, it has eyes. Does it have ears? He said, yeah, it has ears. I said, does it have eyes to see? He said, no. Does it have ears to hear? He said, no. The Bible says, I will give you a new heart. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. He says, I'll put my spirit in you and cause you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. So in truth, what that man needed was to have a removed stony heart. He needed a heart that would be purified by God. He needed God's heart then he would have a changed life. You've admitted, well, I don't exactly have a changed life. It's kind of like I'm being drawn. At least that's what I'm hearing. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I will. I think that the Lord has dealt with me a, a lot of things, but I know things in my heart that are harbor like ill feelings or dislike for people. I don't like that. Mm -hmm. you know? Well, you know what? When you truly enter that relationship with Christ, he's the one who will give you the ability to have those right attitudes, mm -hmm. to be able to love your enemies, mm -hmm. to pray for those who persecute you. He changes your heart on the inside. You're saying that you want the true relationship. Would you like to tell God right now, and are you willing to humble your heart and totally give him all of you to yield your will to the will of the Lord Jesus Christ and ask him to come into your life? Yes, yes, I am. Okay, well, why don't we just do that right now? Okay. Just pray after me. God, I really need you in my life. God, I really need you in my life. I want a real relationship with you. I want a real relationship with you. And Jesus, I'm asking you to come into my life, to be my Lord and my Savior. I give you control of my life. Change me inside out and make me the person you created me to be. Give me discernment. May I follow your perfect will. In Christ's name I pray. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Amen. Where is Jesus right now in relation to you? He's in my heart. Okay. He comes in to be our Lord, and that means master, ruler, owner. He's going to guide you in the way you need to go. I would suggest that you pray, Lord, is it possible that you are guiding me? Now that I have this heart that's totally yours, are you opening up a door for me to begin a friendship with my former husband? Because I need to ask his forgiveness and be right before him because I violated our marriage covenant. What I appreciate is that you are willing to admit that. You're not hiding your wrong. 
you have taken responsibility, choosing to be accountable. That speaks volumes. Is there any reason why you cannot go to him and take personal inventory and say, you know, as I've thought about it, these are the areas where I was wrong, and these are the areas where I wounded you. These are the areas where I chose my will, and it was not right before God. Go Is to it, him and talk to him about... Yeah, and let me tell you why. In the Bible... Matthew 5:23 it says if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you leave your gift there in front of the altar and those forget about giving the gift to God right then it says first go and be reconciled to your brother then come and offer your gift you see God is very concerned about our relationships he wants us to be right before others. Now, everybody's done things wrong with other people, but what do we do with where we've been wrong? We are to go and say, I was wrong about this. And the issue isn't that you then say, I was wrong, but you were too. The issue is just taking personal responsibility. I've gone before God and I've asked him to reveal to me the ways I have wounded you. Make a list, whatever God reveals to your heart. And then after you tell him and you ask forgiveness, just say, tell me any other areas where I wounded you. And let him be specific and don't defend. Ask forgiveness for any attitudes that were wrong, attitudes and actions. That is right before God. And let's just see what God wants to do there. You're listening to Hope for the Heart with June Hunt as she takes us through the often complicated issue of reconciliation. June will be back in just a minute. Right now, I'd like to invite you to get our free download about reconciliation. Go to hopefortheheart.org. Or for a deeper dive and more practical guidance, order our Keys for Living on this topic. That website again is hopefortheheart.org. Or call and talk with one of the men or women in our Hope Care Center. That number is 800-488-HOPE. Again, 800-488-4673. Now, here's June again with some thoughts to take with you today. In a broken world, things break. This includes relationships. Personally, I know what it's like to feel the pain of a broken relationship. I also know what it feels like to have a restored relationship where wrongs are fully forgiven and hurts are wholly healed. As we talk about reconciliation, I think of the words of Paul in Romans 12:18. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Remember, you can't force reconciliation, but you can pave the way for reconciliation. When you rest in your relationship with the Lord, you can find your peace in Him. Well, peace is something I think we all want. For more about finding peace through a relationship with Jesus, call our Hope Care Center at 800-488-HOPE. You know, I'm so grateful that God has given June the ability to take His Word and apply it to the challenges we face in life. You can learn how to help others using resources that June and her team have developed. Here's more. Addiction, abuse, violence, grief and loss, depression and suicide, marital and family stress. These are only some of the problems the church faces today. As a pastor, you may feel overwhelmed with the needs of those in your church and community. 
As a first responder within your faith community, how do you manage the crisis around you? Imagine raising up those in your church to come alongside you, helping you meet the needs of hurting people. Lifeline to Hope is a brand new, one-of-its-kind caregiver training program for your church. This 10-week video-based program can train and deploy a small, effective group of caregivers and help you launch a dynamic caregiving ministry. Equip your church to connect lives in crisis with a new or renewed life in Christ. Discover more at lifelinetohope.org. lifelinetohope.org. Equip your church to connect lives in crisis with a new or renewed life in Christ. Discover more at lifelinetohope.org. As we wrap up today, remember that there is hope no matter the circumstance. And make plans to join us again tomorrow for more hope and help right here on Hope for the Heart.